0: Just need to clear my mind. Just need a little more time. In with the new, out
1: with the old, but so unsure what the future hold.
0: Good afternoon, big blue nation. This is Matt Zack, your host of the Courtside Connector podcast for all things Kentucky basketball. Before we get started today, I just want to um address the obvious tragedy that the entire commonwealth is dealing right now um, for all the people and families and communities affected by the um tornado and storms that went through the state of Kentucky and its neighboring states and just destroyed communities. I want to let y'all know that you are in my uh, thoughts and prayers right now and um there is i was considering not doing this podcast but i i want to be able to use this platform to help because i know thoughts and prayers can only go so far at some point we need to start physically rebuilding these communities and i want to use this platform to show a couple different ways that we can do that so number one the university of kentucky college of medicine has opened a gofundme that they are receiving and all proceeds are going to go straight to those communities affected. Um, and both Shop Local and um, Kentucky Branded are both selling shirts, where again, 100% of the proceeds and profits are going to go straight towards those communities affected. So I'm going to have all of those um, ways that you can help to donate. Um, they're going to be linked under this podcast when I post it on Twitter. I encourage all of you to either check out those links, or if you have additional links of how to help, please list them down there as well. Um, I know a lot of Kentucky is hurting right now, um, wanting to help. So any any different ways that you can help, please share, please let us know. And yeah, with that being said, today I am being joined with a new guest who's never been on the Courtside Connect before. So I'll let him introduce yourself. Braden, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing pretty good, Matt. Uh, First of all, uh, I can't echo your message enough. Uh, I have some family in Western Kentucky uh, who actually happened to be here with me at the time, so they were okay. But just seeing the pictures and videos that are coming out, I mean, it's just really sad to see. And, you know, I can't echo your message enough. Uh, My thoughts and prayers are with everyone who is affected by the storms. Um, And we're gonna keep them in our thoughts and prayers until they can get back on their feet. So, um, you know, just praying for them all the time. But um, my name is Braden Neviews. Uh, I just joined the Cats coverage team last week. Uh, me and uh, Isaac Matthews will be covering women's basketball for Cats coverage. Uh, we're off to a good start this week. Well, in, t- in terms of the coverage, uh, you know, women's basketball fell to DePaul on Thursday. But, um, but as far as coverage goes, we're off to a good start and I'm happy to be on here. So thanks for having me on, man
0: yeah absolutely Braden's, uh i think our newest addition to the cats coverage team where i'm writing for as well um he's been great so far if you haven't please tap into the stuff he's doing he's been doing great work covering previewing analyzing all of our um women's kentucky basketball stuff that has been going on these past few days so if what he's shown so far is a tell to what he's going to be able to do for this catch coverage team you definitely want to be on board and tapping into what he's doing but um we're not here to talk about the women's team we are here to talk about the men's team unfortunately we just dropped a heartbreaker i believe a two point loss to what was a three and four unranked notre dame team a team we probably should have rolled um what are your initial thoughts on the game today
1: my initial thoughts are you know, it's one of those things. I don't know if you get this way during the game, but you kind of get a feel of the game throughout the game. And today I felt like I never felt like we were going to lose the game. So when we lost, I was kind of in shock. And, um, and I mean, obviously, very poor performance shooting from, from three. That shot Grady hit was like the only shot we made. And, um, but overall, just a disappointing loss. Um, but I think in, you know, looking back, whenever we're in february i think this will be a loss that really ends up helping us
0: yeah and the big blue nation i'm already seeing it on twitter they're they they do not have patience and we'll discuss whether that's rightfully so or not but we we are currently not in a mindset of oh we can have losses that help us out multiple months um because like historically before before the checkered board uniforms basically is a good Place to draw that line um we didn't lose these games like the john Wall, marcus cousins team they didn't lose games to losing record teams even when they struggled they still found ways to win same thing with the national championship team um like their only losses that year were to vanderbilt and indiana and they were both tournament teams indiana was like a sweet 16 team and we lost to them by one on the road on a buzzer beater like the 2015 team they had their struggles but they still won these games so our best teams still found ways to win and even when they struggled they weren't losing the bad teams it seems like these past few years um obviously last year we lost a whole lot of people the Year before we had evansville we lost to a bottom sec team in south carolina um the year before we were losing to a bunch of teams early the year before in 2018 17, 18 team we were losing to teams early and it, the trend of these early losses and not the huge tournament success that we once had where I think it's okay. If you drop a game to Notre Dame, as long as you go and get a final four out of it, but if you're not putting out these final fours, like we used to, and we're also not getting this regular season success that we used to, that's where I think a lot of the problem comes in. But like you said, I'm not completely freaking out. I actually looked it up and wrote an article about it before this game. Our first true road game of the season since Cal has got here our team has won five games and lost seven so now we've lost eight so we have historically even with those earlier teams the first time we go on the road we have a five and eight record now and I think this is even bigger of a first road game experience because even our returners they didn't have any road games last year either. They were playing in front of 2,000, 4,000-some fans. So to go into a packed-out Notre Dame stadium where everyone wants to see the upset, they're introducing their new coach, they're introducing someone to the ring of honor. This was like a crazy Notre Dame atmosphere. So is it? Do you think it's okay for us to be excusing them like this, or is this a completely inexcusable game in your opinion?
1: Uh, I don't think it's completely inexcusable. I mean, to me – it was, there were a lot of elements going into this game that, you know, come with an upset. You talked about, the, you know, the football coach being announced, you talked about uh, um, Ellis being put in the ring. I, I saw that stat on ESPN where Notre Dame was like undefeated in ring of honor games. So, uh, so I mean, th- there were a lot of aspects that went into it. And also, I mean, Kentucky just wasn't shooting well tonight. And, uh, and, and that's kind of been an unfortunate trend here early in the season. But I still think this team is full of good shooters. And it's kind of like, you know, when you go back to the 2015 season with Booker, you know, he shot bad early in the season. Then in February he got hot. I think there are a lot of guys like that on this team. Um, And I think eventually we'll get it together. Um, So I don't think this is an inexcusable loss. Of course, you'd rather win in an environment like that. But I don't think this is like, you know, start burning down the fortress. I think we'll be fine.
0: I, I agree with that. So before this game even happened, there was a specific tweet from uh, Matt Jones himself, probably the biggest voice in Kentucky sports, maybe just Kentucky Twitter period. Um, he tweeted out a few days ago, he said, out of 358 teams in NCAA Division One, Kentucky is 344th in percent of shots taken that are three-pointers. So 344th out of 358, that's 15th last um considering how good a three-point shooting team this can be that strikes me as an inefficient stat and then everyone obviously jumps on that tweet saying like what are we doing why are we not shooting threes cal needs to get it like get with modern basketball we can't be taking these long twos um three is worth more than two why are we taking these mid-range jumpers let's take more threes and then we come in here and we shoot two of 19 from three. And we already have not been shooting good percentage from three. And we probably had by far a worse shooting day today. So I was already come in with the mentality like, all right, we need to kind of chill in on this. We need to force threes because I I think Ty Ty Washington's a good mid range jump shot shooter. So is Keon Brooks. So is Kellen Grady. When you stretch these guys out another five, six feet, it seems like they they aren't as efficient so yes i know three pointers should be more efficient as mid-rangers but when you're a team that doesn't make three pointers they're not more efficient like we in my opinion should be shooting like 10 to 15 a game right now just enough to give oscar the space he needs and ty ty the space he needs to drive to the lane and nothing more what do you think
1: about that i mean well i agree with that i think our most efficient offense right now is working through oscar in the post and then setting up our shooters on the wing. And, uh, you know, and you saw it tonight. Uh, we got open looks. The, you know, open looks weren't the problem. It's just we weren't hitting our shots tonight. And uh, and and I'm talking about from three. We took some really bad, you know, mid-ranger teams tonight, uh, specifically severe Wheeler. Um, I, I think we got to work on that with him. But um, just really inefficient right now. And to me, that'll all work itself out as you go through the season. Um, I don't think that it's a big problem. Um, I think we need, I think you're right. The 10 to 15 range is about where we need to be uh, because we have shooters like Grady and Washington who I think will get it together. Um, But overall, right now, our best offense is beat it to Shibwe. And even if he misses, he might get his own shot back. So, you know, so I think, our best offense is what Cal wants, probably, which is either driving and driving to the lane and then kick or it's getting Oscar Shibway in the post. So we'll just have to see how it goes.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of Oscar Shibway I don't I do want to point out the positives when there are some. And he definitely was one played 37 minutes, almost the whole game while staying out of foul trouble. Um, shot 11 of 14 from the field had 25 points this is our first 25 point plus performance since Emmanuel quickly did it in February of 2020 um I think we had nine or 10 different 25 point performances that season we had zero last year and we had zero to this point so Oscar broke that streak also put up seven rebounds his first time um under 10 rebounds all season, but I feel like a lot of other guys helped out rebounding. I don't really feel like he was struggling. Um, one assist, one turnover, two blocks, and three steals, so he really filled up the whole stat sheet and didn't do a whole lot wrong. What did you see from Oscar Shiboy today?
1: Uh, I mean, I saw exactly what you saw. Really dominant in the post. Uh, I, I thought this was, even without the you know, huge amount of rebounds that he usually gets. I think this was his best game as a Kentucky Wildcat. Uh, maybe other than the Os- uh, other than the um, Robert Morris game, uh, I thought this was his best game as a cat. Um, which is unfortunate that it comes in a loss. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, but give credit to Notre Dame where credit's due. Uh you know, they let Oscar get his in the post, but they they did an excellent job on the boards, and I think that's what really you know took the game in Notre Dame's direction tonight. Um, but you know, I, I was really pleased with Oscar on the offensive end, and even on the defensive end, I felt like he played well. Uh, so overall, like I, I was pleased. Yeah, um,
0: Notre Dame actually had a five, a positive five rebounding margin over Kentucky. I don't know the stats. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is the first time we've been out rebounded all the year, even including the Duke game.
1: That sounds right. Uh, I mean, the only other game that would be close would be Duke. I would assume.
0: Yeah, if I'm wrong, you could go make fun of me on Twitter. Please call me an idiot for passing false stats on my podcast. But I, I, I believe that is the truth. But um, last podcast, I asked my guest, the bracket guy, Michael Ge- Beard, to fill in the blank. And I want to hear your answer, especially after this game. So Oscar Shibway is currently the blank best player in college basketball right now. Ooh. And I'm asking you on the spot.
1: I know. Oh, oh, man. Uh, That's a tough one. Uh, What was Michael's answer?
0: He said top 10.
1: Top 10. Okay. All right. So he didn't give a specific number. Okay. Uh, He said
0: not top five. So he was kind of like in the seven to
1: eight or eight. I tend to agree. I might go a little more towards five than he would uh, just because he's the best player on, on, in my opinion, a final four. So, I would put him a little ahead of the seven to 10 range. So, I'm thinking five to six range. Sounds about right for me.
0: I personally had him like eight to 10. And the only thing that was keeping me from him cracking in that top five was he didn't look like a guy that could take over the game on the offensive end. I knew he was a really good offensive player and he can take over the game on the boards and on the defensive end and everywhere in between but he didn't seem like a guy like give him the ball, get out of the way, let him carry your offense. And today he proved that he can do that. And I agree. Um, I do think Shaden, or not Shaden Sharp, yikes. I do think Ty Ty Washington will be a super key piece. But as of now, you are right. Oscar Sheeway is the best player on a Final Four team. So I look at EJ Liddell of Ohio State. I look at Jaden Ivey of Notre Dame. I look at Paolo Banquero, Johnny Juzing. The list kind of gets thin after that. I'm like, I feel like Oscar Sheway, the way he's playing is right in the mix with those guys.
1: Where does Chet Holmgren rank on that list for you right now?
0: Oh, see, honestly, I... Off of potential alone, I feel like he's pretty high. Um Honestly, I think I, if anything, I would probably have Drew Timmy up there. Um, now you're putting me on the spot. I don't I'm not used to that happen on my own podcast, but <laughs> but um, I would probably have him in the eleven to twenty range, kind of with Drew Timmy probably in that five to ten range as well. Um, I feel like he the few games that I did watch against um, Duke and UCLA and there was one other who's the other team they just lost to do you remember
1: Uh, it was alabama right
0: and alabama yeah i didn't think um his kind of the same thing i thought about oscar he didn't seem like a take over the game with your offense type of guy i feel like he does a lot of things well but to get into that top top tier i think you need to be able to dominate games which i don't think he is quite ready to do yet again we'll see come march um when gonzaga's guard play picks up and he plays it's kind of weird like Kentucky puts their tune-up games and then they play their difficult ones like Gonzaga plays their most difficult games and then they play a bunch of borderline division two schools so maybe got some easier competition we seem to start to dominate a little bit more but um, that's where I personally have him right now
1: that's where I would tend to put him too. a uh, quick note uh, Kentucky was plus nine in rebounds against Duke it was 44 to 35 so so you were right
0: yeah, I mean it, it sounded right. I'm guessing we didn't lose any of the other ones. I feel like we killed all those other teams. I mean, there's no way we were winning by 20 plus points and didn't win in rebounds.
1: I didn't bother to check those. There's no need to.
0: Yeah, but um you all when we were talking about the game, you did bring up Sabir Wheeler's poor game overall, especially the, some of the bad twos he was taking. He finished today. Um five shooting, um, only two assists to go with. Uh, two turnovers, didn't have any steals. Um, really not his best game, and he got taken out for Tai Washington to run the point guard at. Excuse me, to run point guard at the end of the game. What did you see that he just? I think this is like a couple games in a row. I thought the previous game was his worst game he's played all year, and then he topped that or bottomed it this game by playing even worse. What have you seen from the past couple of games?
1: I mean, this is not the severe Wheeler at Georgia. I mean. Turning the ball over, not many assists. I mean, I don't know exactly what happened because I don't feel like you know anything like philosophy wise has changed offensively. I mean, other than taking a little bit more threes, but I mean, to me, he's just in a funk right now. I don't think he's by any means worse than he was earlier in the season. I think he's just going through a funk. Um, But I think what's really, I think what's really messing him up right now is poor shot selection because then that goes into other you know, facets of the game, you know, you start to overthink and all that kind of thing. So I think if he just starts taking smart shots again, like he was earlier in the season, and, you know, just kind of gets back to what he does best, I think we'll be okay.
0: Yeah, I think um, what I personally think is messing with him the most is the fact that we're not making shots, because you think of his play style, one, he's not very big, and two, he doesn't shoot very well, and he relies on using his speed to get to the hoop. So if he's breaking down his defender and he has someone coming off of either side to help and get in front of him, and we're not making shots to give him the space that he needs, he's not able to kick out the shooters because Grady or Dante or Davion are not hitting their threes. He doesn't have the space to take his shots. So instead of, I still feel like he needs to trust his teammates and move the ball around instead of forcing his shot. But he's driving, assuming that the defenders are going to stay and respect the three-point shooters and still go for his shot. But they're not because we're not making our threes. So I think that's a lot of what the problem is going to be. Um, Going back to when we first got him, my biggest concern was that Wheeler is – the way that Coach Cal likes to play his point guards, he likes everything to go through them. He doesn't usually like stuff going through his off-guards. He kind of likes everything to go through his point guard, whether they're the best player or not. Like, I remember going back a couple of years, like Ashton Hagan's in an offense with Tyrese Maxey and Emmanuel Quickly, our offense was still going through Ashton Hagans Like, that was our point guard. He was the one setting up and running all the plays. My biggest concern with Xavier Wheeler was we have these key pieces like Ty Ty Washington and Kellen Grady, key scorers, um, if, can Kellen, or I'm sorry, is Xavier Wheeler good enough to be the guy that our offense can go through? Because when we were playing some of these worst teams, it seemed like he was fine just dominating and taking over the game. When we play these better teams, or he's not the best guy and can't take over games, how does he find almost like a complementary role not be trying to be the best player on the floor. Not try to run the whole offense and get to your guys like Oscar and Grady and Ty Ty. Do you kind of see what I'm saying? Do you feel like he needs to almost marginalize that role that he's in and let some of these other guys do more?
1: Yeah, uh, and I you mean, know, and like you really laid it out well with Cal's point guards. And I mean, we saw last season. No, no matter how how many times it didn't work, like the offense went through Devin Askew. And it never worked. And then you know, you look at um, you look at this season. Uh, Wheeler has been. I mean, he's had some highs and some lows. But I think what changes this entire season is when Shaden Sharp gets on campus, because and, and I mean, because I think he's going to play. I mean, like, don't you think he's going to play?
0: I if. If I had any doubt coming into today's game, I necess- I absolutely do not have any now. I mean, if there's one thing that we need on this team, it is a guy that one can shoot or just make shots from anywhere and get buckets down the stretch. That's Shane Sharp's role on this team, if he can do anything. So I absolutely think he's going to play now.
1: So one, so once Sharp gets to campus, I think, I mean, of course it will be a lesser role for Severe, but I think it makes him a better player because he's gonna get those reps with him in practice. He's gonna, yeah, I mean like the offense is gonna be more open. So I think right now it's just kind of oh, you know, we got to work with what we got. And I think what we have is good. It's just you know you talked about it earlier trusting his teammates. He's not doing that right now. He was earlier in the season. And and so we'll figure this out whenever Severe Wheeler trusts his teammates again
0: yeah and it's it's so crazy like why aren't we shooting the ball well i mean dante allen the only thing he did well last year was shoot the ball well Davion mints without a point guard shot 39 percent from three last year like these got kellen grady he's a guy that shot over I think he's averaging thirty six and a half percent from his career at four years at Davidson, and he was probably jacking up way more difficult threes because he was the whole offense. Now he's just getting wide open catch and shoot looks. I mean, why? Why do do you think there's an explanation for? Do you just think we're just cold right now?
1: I think, um, I think we're just cold. I mean, or I mean, you go back to the earlier games in the season. Grady, especially in that Duke game, he was he was hitting his shots. I mean. I think we're just going through a cold spell, uh, but I mean, I say that, but it seems like every year with the Cal team, we're talking about cold spells that never end. So, I mean, I want to think it's a cold spell, but I guess it could be just maybe we're not as good a shooting team as we thought we were going to be. You know, Cal always says we have a lot of shooters and not a lot of makers, and um, and it, and you know, it kind of hurt with Frederick being out for the season because you know now Allen. Kind of had to take that role, and frankly, he he hasn't stepped up to the plate. Um, and um, so I think we're going through a cold spell, but it is concerning,
0: yeah. I mean, I remember when CJ Frederick first went out, there were a lot of people telling me it's like, okay, we still have five other guards, we still have Dante, we still have Davion to come off the bench. And I was like, CJ Frederick's going to have a much bigger or was supposed to have a much bigger role on this team than a lot of people realize. I mean, you look today. CJ Frederick just being on the court might have been the difference. I mean, Kellen Grady took seven threes. Um Xavier Wheeler took two, Davion took five. Um Grady made two of his seven, Wheeler made none, Mints made none of his five. So if you just give CJ Frederick four of those, he probably makes at least one, probably two of them, because he's been like a career 50% three-point shooter, and some of these looks we were getting were wide open. He might have even made three of them. We lost by four. That could be the difference in the game. And just him standing out on the perimeter could have created more space for Oscar, and he could have made one of those last post moves. Maybe Ty Ty could get to the hoop a little bit easier. Maybe Wheeler get to the hoop a little bit easier. I think he was so much more important of a piece than people realize. and I think that's why... Shayden Sharp is going to come in and play because the guy can knock down shots um, if he can do anything. I I think um, the physicality of the game, he's going to take a little bit of time to get there. Just playing high school ball, getting here and having a few weeks of practice and then going right in SEC play, it's going to take some time. Um, the defense, the rebounding, the increase in pace and everything like that. It's going to take some time, but I'm confident that he can go out there and knock down open threes if given the ball.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, and like I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, but what really has hurt us in terms of losing Frederick, I, I think is all Dante. I mean, not all Dante, Allen, but a large portion of it comes down to Dante Allen because that's the role that I think Frederick was going to have. He was going to be. Dante's replacement because I, I let's be honest, Cal does not want to play Dante Allen. Uh, I mean, he he can say it, he can say that, that he wants to do all he wants. Cal does not want to play Dante Allen, and I mean to be honest, he shouldn't when he's not when he's not hitting the shots because he's a liability on defense, and you know he doesn't really do anything else well. And um, so, because Dante is not shooting the way that he should, and and it's not just Dante, but all the other guys. It's really starting to, you know, zoom in on how much of a loss Frederick was. So, you know, it 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 really sucks to lose them, but we lost them, and now we got to figure it out.
0: Yep. Um. So there were two things coming into this episode that I wanted to highlight and talk about, regardless of the outcome of this game. We covered the first one. It was the uh, Matt Jones tweet talking about: Do we need to shoot more threes? Is it an inefficient? Are, are we shooting inefficiently the second one was another thing that started on twitter there's not a specific tweet i could point to it's literally everywhere it is the strength of schedule it's the tune-up games if you will it was the we play duke at a neutral site game and then we come home for rep arena and we play six nobodies and ohio who is probably a borderline tournament team whether they win their conference or not um how do you feel about the tune up games as a fan? Like going to the games, like just do you, do you, we won't even say if like we think they're good or, or like important for our team or not. We'll get there later. If you were to go to a game and we're not playing a huge opponent, do you take less away from the game or do you still enjoy it?
1: I mean, on a level, I still enjoy it, but there's not the excitement. You know what I mean? I mean, like I've been, uh, I went to the um, Robert Morris and Central Michigan games this season and both atmospheres were okay. You know, I, I, I mean, from what I heard, I mean, and even TV, the like the Ohio game, atmosphere was pretty good. I mean, because the game was close. So, you know, as a fan, you want those, you might say you want to blow a team out, but you kind of enjoy those close games. You know, like it you get your heart racing a little bit, you know, you you, you like those close games. So, uh, so as a fan, you know, it's, it's not ideal um but i mean i still enjoy the games just cuz you know i'm a big fan but it's not the most ideal in the world
0: yeah i agree i agree with that um obviously if we could play duke well i don't want to play duke every game i don't know if my heart could take that like i don't know if i could actually take that stress but if we could play like a duke or a big sec opponent or a kansas north carolina whatever more often yeah that's probably a more enjoyable game but i mean Ending our season on in the beginning of March in the f- first round of the SEC tournament after that season, I've been dying to watch this team play. Like I will watch this team play a D3 school if I have to. I'll let them, I'll watch them play freaking Reed Shepard in North Laurel High School. I think that's where he goes, but I don't care. Like, I just love watching Kentucky play. I show up to watch Kentucky play, I don't watch the show The Opponent. So, yeah, when it's a higher competitive game, that's more fun. But I I still do enjoy the games. I enjoy showing up to RUP Arena. I enjoy cheering on our team. I enjoy seeing our players. And I enjoy seeing them go through the struggles too. That's part of the season. That's part of what builds our love for the team. I mean, what made that 2014 team so good was the struggles. It's like we saw all that growth, we saw where we started. We saw where we hurt and sweat and put our blood, sweat, and tears into everything. And we saw the final product. So we don't have that final product without all of these early games. So with that being said, do you think that these seven straight, let's call them tune-up games, because that's what everyone else is calling them, do you think those games are good for our schedule? Would you personally change them?
1: Uh, I think they're good for the team. I don't think they're good for the fans. I'll tell you what really hurt our scheduling. It is when the SEC Big 12 Challenge got moved to early – or late January, early February. Yeah. Because you get that game in early December where it'd be at Kansas or home against Texas or whatever it may be. And so you get like the Champions Classic, then maybe three or four tune-up games, and then you get that big game in the middle, and then you have like two or three more tune-up games. So I think – that challenge being moved to late January, early February, is really what hurt our scheduling the most. So, um, from a team perspective, I think it helps the team grow and get continuity. But from a pan, uh, uh, from a fan perspective, you know, I miss when the Big Twelve SEC challenge was like in the middle of those 2 up games.
0: Yeah, I think that's one thing. My biggest complaint, and you can tell me if you agree with me or not. My biggest complaint is not the bad teams we are playing. It's the good teams like Duke and Ohio State. They're not played in Rupp Arena. And obviously, they all can't be played in Rupp Arena. We got to do home and homes. But I wish that these big games that all the hype is around, they weren't for $1,000 tickets in Madison Square Garden. That's my opinion. That is a bigger problem than us scheduling bad games. Because when we don't even get to watch our team play Duke at home every other year for North Carolina, Kansas, Michigan state, UCLA, Ohio state, whoever it is, we don't get to watch those games at home. We get to watch all the people who travel out to Vegas and New York city. And then we come home and the season ticket holders are stuck with North Florida. That's the bigger problem in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Uh, I see where you're coming with that. Um, I really miss, like, the North Carolina home-and-home. Home, yep. The Indiana home-and-home. And, home, and, and, you know, and these, like, big-time games in Rupp Arena in December. And, you know, uh, you brought up a good point about that. But um, what really irks me more than – even than that, and I agree with needing more home-and-home, home, like, high-quality teams, But we played like the lowest of the low bad teams at Rep Arena. I mean, we get one Ohio and then six just bottom tier, you know, division one schools. So if we were to play a Belmont or you know in Ohio or or these upper echelon or you know, Western Kentucky, let's bring the Western Kentucky series back, you know, or teams closer to home. I, I feel like fans would still, you know, want those big time matchups, but they'd be a little less uh, I guess, vocal about it. So, I, I just wish the quality of bad team, if you want to say it like that, would improve.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with that, too. I mean, like you said, if we had, I don't know, just like lower Big Ten teams, like if Rutgers came in or something, or like, I don't know, just teams we've heard of. Like, yeah. we played Clemson for whatever reason. Like, it's a team we know. Like, people would show up, they hear the name, just from football and be like, oh yeah, we're playing a big name school. That's like we'll show up for that.
1: Yeah, I mean we're kind of doing that with Notre Dame right now. I mean, exactly. You know, I mean we were, you know we lost both games, unfortunately. But um well what Cal's three I saw a stat after the game. Cal's three and five against Notre Dame now as head coach of I, I, I think that'd be crazy.
0: Them. The only I remember the past two games and I remember the game in the Elite Eight of 2015 tournament. But other than that, I don't remember any other games we played against him. But I trust your recollection of the stat that came up after the game.
1: It could be wrong. Like like I'll I'll look it up to make sure because I don't want to be misleading people on your podcast either.
0: Again, if you if you have a problem with the stats we're saying on my podcast, come make fun of me on my Twitter. It's cool. Mm-hmm. But um while you go look that up, I I just remember back to the 2012 season where we won the national championship. I think you can make an argument the two biggest games in that like regular season before SEC play were the two home at homes that you said you would like to see come back and that's North Carolina and Indiana it was we had a one-point win on a game-saving block against North Carolina and we had a one-point loss on a three-point buzzer beater against Indiana and I thought the loss against Indiana was a huge motivator. And the win against Notre Dame or North Carolina was such a huge confidence builder. I I don't feel like we get as much from these neutral site games. I feel like we need to get put in either a hostile environment where we're dealing with adversity the whole game going up against an away crowd or we need to feel the love of the Big Blue Nation, or we get a huge win, and you feel 22,000 people getting your back and cheering you on and loving you and seeing why you do this.
1: Absolutely, and uh, I looked up the stat. I couldn't find any uh, official numbers, but we're, so we're just gonna say under 500, because I know it's under 500. So Cal is under 500 against Lunders. But um, But uh, no, but I agree. I mean, I think tonight's loss is more valuable in a season than, uh, you know, than a 20-point victory over North Florida. And, and I mean, you know, fans might not like to hear that, but I think it's true. You know, I mean, we're, we're going to learn more from this game about our team than we did in any way against North Florida. So, so like, I, I missed those games. And I think tonight, even though we lost, I think it was a good thing. And, you know, I missed the Indiana series. I missed the North Carolina series. And there's no reason we can't have these series because we're we're still top dog in the SEC. Now the SEC's gotten a lot better, but we're still the top dog in the SEC. So we're gonna be in the conversation in our conference every year, which is gonna get us into the tournament. So we can afford a loss or two extra a year and be fine.
0: Yeah, and if the thing is, if you only schedule one of those games like Notre Dame I guess early isn't even that good this year but if you only schedule one I guess power five program to go up against for a home at home and you lose it it looks really bad because now we've played Duke and Notre Dame in seven shit schools and we've lost to Notre Dame and Duke like if you schedule four like Gonzaga they played Duke they played UCLA they played Texas and they played Alabama and they lost two of them and they won two of them and now they're ranked what like the fourth best team in the country and they're probably going to move up because Purdue lost this week to Rutgers so you're allowed to lose some of these games we could lose to Duke and Notre Dame if we still have like a North Carolina and an Indiana on our schedule if we win both of those so you don't need to win all of these games I mean, it becomes a problem like last year when you lose all six of them. But I feel like in normal circumstances, we're not going to do that. We're probably going to split, at least split, and take a couple of those games. So if we add more, it kind of gives us that floor. It's like, okay, we lost to a couple respectable teams, but we also beat a couple. So our our stock really doesn't go one way or the other.
1: I couldn't agree more. And, um, and to me, you know, it doesn't have to be a murderer's row. Of teams, You know, you don't have to play Ohio State and then Louisville and then, you know, Michigan State, well, you know, we're not asking for a murderers row of opponents. We just want some better quality home games. And I mean, all right, we get Louisville every other year. Cool. We want that. Add one. Add, take your pick. Notre Dame, Indiana, North Carolina, just one. That's all we want. And then we still get the Champions Classic. And then we still get the, uh, you know, we still get the CBS Classic. And then we still get the big 12 SEC challenge. So there's, you know, five high quality, you know, high quality games against non-conference opponents. That's all we want. And I don't think that's a problem or too much to ask. No,
0: nope, I don't think so at all. And we, you've said it, I've said it. We said that people aren't going to like it, but I really do agree that this, we, we don't need to overact about this loss. We went on the road, Uh, against a team that has never lost a ring of honor game, it's just something that they're praying for over there where they just never lose and it never happens. We shoot two of 19, which will by far be our worst shooting percentage ever. It's our first true road game in two years. We shoot two of 19, we're down one, and Ty Ty Washington gets what should have been an and one, and it's called a charge. We go up one, Keon Brooks gets a clean block and it's called the foul and they tie the game like
1: they, a the game. Yeah. they hit
0: a step back mid-range contested shot to go up and Ty Ty misses a layup which he was fouled on, on the other side it's like yeah I get it we should have played better but like if we win this game by two or we lose this game by two or I think we lost by four because they got a last second dunk or whatever But that doesn't change the positives and the flaws that we have with this team. The positives, Oscar is the top potentially five player in the country. The positives, Kellen Grady, when shooting the ball, is a huge offensive weapon. Ty Ty Washington is going to be an elite point guard. Some other pieces are going to find their place. The fact that we were as close as we were and we shot as terribly as we did on the road, those are all all the positives. And the same flaws, why can we not shoot well? What is happening with severe Wheeler's past few games? Um, what, what is our offense and shot selection? Like these flaws, they still exist regardless of what the, last, the outcome of the past few plays was. Maybe the fouls go our direction. Maybe they go their direction. Their shots fall. Kellen Grady has a shot 80% down and it rims out. And someone else, Oscar had a jump hook that was, in the rim and then popped out, like if those shots fall or they don't, our team is still our same team. They still have the same flaws. They still are going to go through the same growth. They just have a bad loss now. So it's going to hurt our tournament resume a little bit, but we're still at the same point in the season. If we were going to win today, it's part of the process. Our team is going, this is not the final product. We have a huge opportunity against Ohio State next Saturday. And then we come back home and we play another rivalry game back in Rapparita. And then we start our SEC thing. So we have lots of opportunities left. I'm not going to overreact. This is part of the process. It sucks that we lost, but this isn't football. This isn't you have your second loss and you're out of the college football playoff. You have a bad loss and you're out of the college football playoff. We're going to be in the tournament this year. We're going to run the SEC like we do. What we're doing right now is trying to gear us up for a final four run.
1: This game reminds me, and tell me if you agree, this game reminds me of the Seton Hall game in 2020, where, you know, I mean, it was a close game, and, you know, we had actually, uh, Kellan, Kellan Johnson did a half-court shot, he'd take the game no but, time. Um, but it was a close game against a team that turned out to be really good, Maybe one of the best players in the country that season, and, uh, and and all right now. Granted, Seton Hall was better than Notre Dame, but I'm I'm in terms of fan reaction. Uh, I mean, like the sky's not falling, we're gonna be fine. I mean, like you laid it out perfectly. We're still gonna run through the SEC. We we have quality opponents in the SEC and in non-conference. We still have quality opponents to play. You know, you mentioned Ohio State, and then in the SEC you have Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee. Florida took a bad loss. I still think they're a good team. Uh, And so you get these quality matchups and it's one bad loss. Duke's not a bad loss. So we're going to be fine. I couldn't agree more. And also one of our flaws from this game is going to be throughout the most of the season, it it, it is going to be one of our strengths, which is rebound. So I don't think, I don't think we're in, you know, I don't think we're in the water or anything. We're going to be fine. And I couldn't agree more with what you said.
0: Yep, and I can't agree more with what you said. So with all that being said, I think we should get out of here. Where can we find your work? Uh,
1: catscoverage.com, uh, women's basketball, a uh, big game tomorrow against Louisville. Um, and I'll be posting uh, all my articles on Twitter, at uh, Braden Uh that's N-E-V-I-U-S. And, uh, and I'm just happy to be a part of the team, Cats Coverage, and being on the Courtside Connect podcast, I really appreciate it, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Please check him out on Twitter. Um, he'll probably be live tweeting the game. He'll, um, if not, he'll be doing it for a bunch of the home games throughout the season as well. He writes great articles. Please go check him out. CatsCoverage.com. You heard his uh, Twitter handle. Go give him a follow as well. Um, I, you can find me at MattSackBBN on Twitter. You could also find me at CatsCoverage.com. Once again, I feel like this, this is definitely the fourth or fifth straight episode i am saying this. I am seeing a huge surge in listeners to the Courtside Connect podcast. I cannot thank you all enough for listening. If um, you guys like the podcast, the best thing you could do to support is retweet it once it gets on Twitter. I really that that's the best thing to do. Tell a friend about it, get more eyes in front of it. If you hate the content, the best thing you could do is go find me on Twitter, go in the comment section, tell me where I was wrong. We'll have an adult conversation about it. Um, Speaking of finding my stuff on Twitter, uh, under the link to this podcast, like I said earlier, I'm going to link all the ways that you can support the uh, relief fund for the tornadoes and um, storms that have hit um Kentucky so please donate or support if you can um, if you have other ways to support please link them below right with mine I'll retweet them I'll support them let's try to get as many eyes on this as possible that's the main reason I want to do this episode I wanted to use my platform to help out this cause so um with all that being said I appreciate you guys listening so much and as always go cats Just need to clear my mind.